Welcome to Cryptozoology with Dr. Daisy. I'm Dr. Daisy Fiore, and I research, write, and read everything you hear on this podcast. I hold a PhD in anthrozoology, an MA in anthropology, and a long fascination with the world's lost and undiscovered creatures. So join me on a journey to explore what may be lurking in the corners of this fascinating place we call planet Earth. In 2014, I was conducting research in Vietnam on silvered langur monkeys for my master's degree. After a long and exhausting field season, getting covered in leeches, mosquitoes, and these weird vines with thorns that kept getting stuck in my face, I was in the city of Hanoi for the International Primatology Society Conference. I found myself walking around the city with a friend toward a small lake called Wan Kiem. This small lake in the middle of the crowded city is a mere two meters deep and very polluted. In the middle sits a small temple. Here my friend told me of Ku Rao, the sacred turtle, and I'm positive I'm pronouncing that wrong, so I apologize. The turtle had been in the lake since the 15th century and was a protector of the city. He was said to be enormous, the size of a small car, and the temple was there to honor him. As an anthropologist, I found this an interesting legend, but little more. However, my friend insisted that the turtle was a real creature and was occasionally spotted in the lake. I laughed at the notion that this could be possible and moved on with my day and my life. So imagine my surprise when Ku Rao, the sacred turtle of Wan Kiam Lake, washed up dead in January of 2016. It weighed 375 pounds. But this behemoth was nothing compared to the one that washed up dead in 1967 that I found out about later. That one weighed 440 pounds and was over six feet long. When news of the death of Ku Rao or the great-grandfather turtle reached me, I was shocked, embarrassed, and ashamed. Why had I assumed him to be a myth? Why did I assume I knew better than the locals who spotted him and knew he was there? Because I was a scientist? Because I was Western? I had to ask myself some difficult questions, and even worse, this turtle was determined to almost certainly be the last of his species. By dismissing him as a myth, we had lost a valuable opportunity at conservation. Was it our responsibility as conservationists to investigate legends like this? This is how I began my journey into serious cryptozoological work. I'd long been fascinated with it as something to casually read about and watch on TV, but had never really taken it seriously. My experience in Vietnam changed that. I began to view reports from local people about undocumented animals seriously. And the more I did, the more I realized how many were well within the realm of possibility. So what is cryptozoology? It literally means the study of hidden animals, and it became popular as an actual science, with a man called Bernard Hovelmans and his 1955 book, On the Track of Unknown Animals. This impressive early work covered the animals once thought to be cryptids, like coelacanths, bonobos, and okapi. It describes animals that might exist but haven't been confirmed, like the Mokele Mamembe and the Yeti, and also discusses animals that have recently gone extinct but could still be out there, like the giant moa and the thylacine. Hovelman's ends with a wish that, should we discover these animals, we won't simply kill them. An idea ahead of its time in 1955. 
What strikes me about Hovelman's work is his acknowledgement that animals were previously believed to be cryptids were generally known by local people, but dismissed by visiting scientists for being too fantastic. This was certainly the case with the Okapi, which was well known by local people, but described to visitors as part giraffe, part antelope, with the back of a zebra, which was summarily dismissed as being too ridiculous. The fact that local people have valuable knowledge that scientists need to listen to is a point Hovelman's made in 1955, but some scientists are still struggling with today. Obviously, Hovelman's wasn't the first to search for or believe in animals not recognized by mainstream science, but he brought the practice out of the shadows and into a more formal study. Today, he is often called the father of cryptozoology. Until his death in 2001, Hovelman's remained an active figure in cryptozoology and fought for its place as a scientific discipline. He maintained that the search for cryptids should be done rigorously and in adherence to the scientific method. He believed those who search for cryptids should have scientific backgrounds. He also firmly rejected the notion that out-of-place animals, such as large cats in the UK, or animals acting strangely should be studied under cryptozoology. I'm not entirely in agreement with every point he made. I am a firm supporter of citizen science, and I believe anyone who wants to engage in searching should do so, not just those with formal scientific training. However, I do support the search for cryptids being done in a rigorous and evidence-based manner, which, if you've watched TV, you know isn't always the case. The last point I also disagree with. Many cryptids, such as the Popabawa, a giant bat in Zanzibar that flies into windows, has the potential to be a real animal acting strangely. Zanzibar is full of giant bats. They just don't usually fly into windows. If it's a documented animal displaying new behaviors, it could be a conservation concern and worth investigating. But since the Popabawa has been dismissed by mainstream science, who's going to investigate if not cryptozoologists? What you will not hear on this podcast are stories about ghosts or aliens. These must remain firmly out of the realm of cryptozoology as they don't concern animals. However, we may discuss those creatures with both physical and spiritual stories related to them like the Mothman. Wikipedia will tell you that there is a broad consensus among academics that cryptozoology is a pseudoscience. That may be true, but it is not the rule. There are recent academic works on cryptozoology, and I hope to contribute myself to a more scientific and evidence-based approach to it. I started this podcast to make that accessible to you. When the popular culture around cryptozoology is the often ridiculous stuff we have on TV, it's easy to dismiss it. That's not what you'll hear with me. I want to explore the real possibility that hidden animals exist, critically, and I want us to do it together. I don't believe that only PhDs have important things to say about the world. We all have the same powers of observation and critical thinking, so let's explore together. Each episode, we'll be exploring a new cryptid and the possibility of its existence. So subscribe and stay tuned. Email me at cryptozoologywithdrdaisy at gmail.com to tell me your opinions and share your stories and sightings. Let me know which cryptids you would like to explore, and together, we might just learn something new about our world. And the undiscovered creatures, I believe, are still out there. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of Cryptozoology with Dr. Daisy. For more content, follow the podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also follow me on Facebook and YouTube or subscribe to the blog at CryptozoologyWithDrDaisy.com. I'll see you next time and don't forget to keep exploring. After all, you never know what you might find out there.